0: Hello and welcome to the Out of Oscar podcast, where we chat about award season successes that didn't pick up Oscar nominations. This week's episode will cover all things to do with the 1994 Best Actress race, a race that is often deemed one of the weakest, if not the weakest, in Best Actress history. On this episode, we'll cover the four nominees and the winner, plus a wealth of precursor heavy contenders that missed out. Joining me today in this task is my friend and fellow Oscar enthusiast, Riley. Welcome, Riley. It's really great to have you on. Thanks, James. Happy to be here. Overall, what are your thoughts and your take on this actress lineup? Uh, Where does it sit in the best actress lineups that you've seen?
1: Um, It's an interesting one, I think, because it often gets brought up as the weakest lineup um, of all time, which... I now think is kind of not true. I think there are actually much worse lineups and there's actually some interesting stuff. Um, here if you're willing to like, I don't know, look for it. Um, I know you just did 97 recently, which I thought was like a much weaker year. And it's like 05 and eighty-four. I think there's just there are examples that are uh weaker than this, but you know, it is a strange list of films. Like they're not films that particularly have stood the test of time or films that people really talk about. But that to me is kind of more interesting than just talking about five, like amazing films. I think it's fun to talk mm-hmm. about things that don't get talked about very often. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's kind of interesting for everyone to be sort of on a lower playing field. I mean, I it, I think the big thing with this year is the films here fit into Oscar criteria, And the actresses that missed out were outside of what Oscar goes for. Uh, We'll get into what those films are, but I just need to introduce the Oscars nominees, which were Jodie Foster in Nell, Miranda Richardson in Tom and Viv, Winona Ryder in Little Women, Susan Sarandon in The Client, and the winner was Jessica Lange from Blue Sky, winning her second Oscar. And if, only leading actress award.
1: I think to go back to what you were saying, it's interesting that the, like the films that were the big Oscar films this year didn't really have female leads or strong female characters. It was very male-oriented. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so if you look at, like, the Best Picture nominees, people always will like to describe that as just, like, amazing three-horse race between Forrest Gump, Shawshank, and Pulp Fiction, Sure, there are supporting uh, actresses in those films. I guess Four Weddings and a Funeral is really the only was the only opportunity where you could actually reward a leading actress, Andy McDowell, but they still didn't. So, and if you want to make a case that Uma Thurman's lead, go ahead. I think the Baftas did, but I think it's safe to say she's supporting. Yeah, that's a stretch. I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we do have someone here that we're going to mention jamie lee curtis who couldn't pick a side it seems or the studio wanted to push her in supporting but anyway we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves should we start with the winner jessica lang
1: let's go for it let's do it
0: all right it's the performance that i can praise the most in today's lineup uh it's jessica Lange in blue sky uh Lange plays carly marshall the tempestuous wife to a nuclear science expert and army engineer prior to the Oscars Lang won the globe and the Lafka and was nominated at the national society and the SAGs. Uh, honestly, like I was really surprised to see how critics just like went out all out in praising her. Like it seems as they really loved what she's doing In this film, and I kind of agree, I think it's like some of her best work. And this is coming from someone who's seen Francis.
1: Yeah. Do you want me to give my two cents on? (laughs) Yeah, go go ahead. This is um, what it's all about. I think that actually this is a great performance. I think um, I just rewatched it again yesterday and it, it really is an actress sort of channeling a character where you don't see the actress anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just, and, and I, it, it's, it starts off really loud. There's like that scene at the start when she's like, they get to the new house and she's, it's kind of very like Mommy Dearest esque. But it sort of settles down, it becomes more simmering and under the surface. And there's, and it's a complex character. I think it's kind of sort of like a Tennessee Williams character in the 90s, even though know, it's said in the past, but it's a 90s version of a Tennessee Williams character. Mm-hmm. kind of southern, you know, there's, uh, you know, mentally unstable, um, kind of sultry, tempestuous, and there's just a lot there for, I think, like to sink her teeth into. And I just think it came at the right time. I think people kind of realised that they really liked, that, that you know, they kind of she had a great run in the 80s and it was time to kind of give her a leading Oscar. I think um, it just was the right time. It was an underdog story. Um, And I actually think it's a really deserved win. I'm a big fan of this one.
0: Well, I had seen the uh, house, the breakdown in the house clip before watching this. And I expected that to be like an 11 o'clock number. I didn't realize it happened Mm. so early on. And I think Lang knows this performance is over the top and campy. Um, but she does walk the line fairly carefully. She maybe like straddles over it a couple of times, but this is someone who now contemporary, contemporarily speaking understands like Ryan Murphy's work in American horror story. So she really knows how to like play it up, but it is also like subversive as well, because she's playing uh, almost like a sex symbol but someone who has, like, wits as well. And this film is, like, so... or at least it wants to be, like, indebted to the sex symbols of, like, the Golden Age. Like, I mean, it opens with Jessica Lange's title card showing over a magazine cover of Bridget Bardot. Mm. Um, She is compared to Liz Taylor in the end, or at least she, like, milks the comparison because she's dyed her hair black. Uh, But these were not the roles that... Uh, Bridget Bardot, or um, even Marilyn Monroe, Mar- yeah. were offered. Uh, so it's yeah, it's it's more complex than what v- women from the time would have been offered, anyhow.
1: Yeah, I think I'm um, it's sort of the the I mean, it's the gla- it's that kind of glamorous exterior, but it's the kind of tormented uh, inner life that. We've heard about these, you know, is, is the real side of these women, at least Marilyn Monroe. And I think the film's kind of hinting at that, that, you know, there is this, there's the glamour, but there's also the the, the dark side, if that makes sense. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's the film's trying to make, have a statement on that, although I think it gets a bit lost somewhere in there, but you can make that argument.
0: Yeah, it is a. It is a weird film to discuss just like the plot itself is really strange. I feel like they should have gone much deeper into the whole idea of like governments trying to cover up, uh, nuclear related injuries, because that is a huge, that is a huge topic in of itself. Um, and then the whole history of this film being shelved, uh, as Orion dips into bankruptcy and then back out of bankruptcy, it's just, uh, it's a weird story, but I still feel like it fits really well as the best actress winner. Like I, I can't really fault it as a as an actress winner. It just works.
1: Yeah, I have a I kind of have a weird soft spot for this film. I, I do really enjoy it. I just think there's something about the tone of it and maybe it's the acting. I think it's got a really good sense of time and place. But it is kind of hard to work out, you know, what who was the audience for this film? What was what was the goal? Like, was it, it doesn't seem super commercial or crowd-pleasing or I think it kind of exists as a bit of a curiosity as this, you know, actress winner, but I don't know if it has, it's hard to work out what it was meant to be beyond just a showcase for Jessica
0: Lange. Like who was the film, Who like who's the film's yeah. target audience? Is it trying yeah. to be a prestige picture? <laughs> I don't know, I guess. It's kind
1: of hard to... And, like, Tony Richardson directing it is sort of, it's, you know, when you think of Tom Jones to this, it's like you couldn't have two more different films.
0: He does have a bit of a strange career, though. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It it does make me laugh that it is Tony Richardson directing this, as you mentioned, Tom Jones. And
1: And as you said, sorry, it was shelved for, like, several years, which is another, I think, a reason that people think of this as a weak lineup is that the winner was from a film. That really wasn't a big film. Didn't make money. Um, sat on the shelf. You know. mm-hmm. And I think, and I think it was meant to come out in '91. So that I guess that begs the question: would, it, would Lang have been nominated in that that lineup?
0: Probably. Well, what do you think? Because
1: it's a it's a, it's a kind of locked lineup. Like it's it's kind of locked in place. I think um, at least four slots. You know. Um, Foster and Thelma, the Thelma and Louise women and Dern, I think, were all pretty much they, they were like set. I do think that Lang easily could have um, taken that middler spot, mm-hmm. so I do think it would have been possible. I don't think she would have won in '91, but I could see her fitting in, and it, she'd been nominated two years before, so she was definitely in you know in that circle of kind of go-to nominees at the time.
0: Yeah, I think it's funny. She mentions in her speech when she wins, she wants to thank Orion Pictures past and present. And then she thanks the writers for developing her character when a bit of me thinks that this is an underwritten character. But to the point of 91, I think, she, like you said, she might be taking Bette Midler's spot for For the Boys. Um, but Jodie Foster... Who is once again in this ninety-four lineup is absolutely taking that for yeah (laughs) uh, the signs of the lambs like it's no there's no debate there
1: yeah and you look at like the previous best actress winners before Lang um, in like the previous um, like the last couple of years and they were all from like big best picture heavyweights and you know the piano and Howard's End and Signs of the Lambs and um, you know you just can't really compare those films to this one, but, um, you know, but it's an did, interesting one.
0: But how did it evolve as, like, a best actress contender? Was it a situation where a studio realises what they might have with Lange's performances and they really push it? Did it happen, like, organically? Like, how did this become Jessica Lange's second o- Oscar? I,
1: I think critics really, like, went to bat for it from what it sounds like um and it was kind of this unexpected maybe the fact that it was on the shelf and kind of the performance was as good as it was was sort of a talking point that you know it just came out of nowhere but i know that the critics really liked it and i think as well from what i understand the globe win was like a bit of an upset and i think that sort of set her on a trajectory where it kind of just put the idea in people's minds so i think the globes had a lot to do with it Mm -hmm. um i don't know who the favorite was i'm assuming it was maybe Jodie Foster, but um, if you watch the Globe win, it was kind of, there's a huge like reception for her. So I think there was a bit of like, a we actually, yeah, we really love Jessica Lange. This would be like a great opportunity to give her a a lead win. But I think, yeah, given if you, I think the film made like 2 million or 3 million at the box office or something. So it really wasn't seen by many people. It's still Um,
0: not the lowest grossing. Uh, Isn't film? I in, think it's
1: still made more than Eyes of Tammy Faye. So,
0: oh wow, okay. <laughs> but I was going to say, that, not, not even the lowest grossing in this line. Oh, in this lineup, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, you just heard Jessica, and you had to make the comparison. I do, to, yeah. <laughs> to Tammy Faye. Um, but yes, yeah, I, so. I
1: think another. Just one one last thing. Um, I watched this interview with Rosie O'Donnell that Jessica Lang did. Um, I think it was in the late nineties, and she says this is the at the time at least she said it's the only Oscar winning performance that no one has seen, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. I guess she was kind of aware of that at the time.
0: Oh, absolutely. I don't think yeah. she's like a deluded actress. I think she's quite like self-aware, even though yeah. Rosie O'Donnell says like she saw it and makes a point, but it's like, yeah, right. you saw it because you're in the industry. Yeah, like, You, followed you were aware of, yeah. the, of the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, around the performance i think even just watching all five of these for the first time in the past two weeks jessica lang really does stick out as just someone who makes her character the most interesting and yes she's really playing it up but it's just like it's just perfect for her i feel like in this era lang has this kind of weird reputation with the oscars in that she's a two-time oscar winner you could argue that her Tootsie win was a sort of sympathy win because she's not getting leading actress against Streep. And then she goes on this string of lone acting uh, nominations, films like Country, uh, Sweet Dreams, Music Box, just really just off the cuff yeah, nominations for a like career. Like lone, at... lone nominees. like yeah, Yeah. But her career, if you look at her IMDb, is full of those films. She didn't really have the films that she picks and chooses are actually like quite interesting, giving her talent. She definitely goes for projects that are perhaps like they could pass as independent films, essentially. Like she's, she's staying away from big studio films. Yeah. Yeah. No. Th-
1: yeah. I just wanted to kind of say the one scene that I think for me was like the the highlight scene that really, for me, kind of, stood out was when she has the affair with the, you know, the other guy in the, I
0: don't know. Johnson.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the daughter finds out and makes her call Tommy Lee Jones to, mm-hmm. to tell him. And just the, like, it, she's almost, it's like the humiliation and the devastation of her, like trying to tell him. And she kind of reverts back to being like a child in a way. She kind of has that Mm -hmm. quality and then, and it makes it worse that he can't hear her. So she's kind of like trying to like yell and it's just that scene, I think was pretty incredible.
0: If you remember that one. I do. Do you know what her Oscar clip was? I think it was when she was on the beach. It's like just
1: her being kind of sexy and like, it's not like a particularly standout moment. It's, I don't know why they chose that scene, but. It's like mm. the first dialogue scene she has in the
0: movie. Yeah, she's like kind of wrapping the that towel, that handkerchief around. Yeah, just her like the long hair before and, she gets the haircut and stuff. And being like very sultry as she yeah. is in the movie, but she's also like uh, I don't know if she is like this qualifies as her being like a failed performer, but she has this like urge to perform just like desperately. Mm. And the musical review for the wives of the husbands comes around, and she wants like a big part in it it seems which is Um, pretty
1: good like that's actually something about the performance is just the physicality of it like she actually dances in a lot of scenes in this film and she's just really good at it I don't know I don't know how to explain it like she's does it really well well I feel like
0: it's also like a bit tongue in cheek as well because there was a time where Hollywood was really set on making Jessica Lange like a 70s sex symbol Right. Um, And I think she's absolutely aware how that she was able to turn that into like serious roles in the way that other women perhaps weren't. But I think she's definitely playing into that here. And I feel like she didn't expect Well, at the time, you know, it's like a lot of actresses, if we want to uh, bring up this year's Best Actress winner, will go into roles with the idea of an Oscar on the horizon. Mm. Um, there's no way Jessica Lange made this film with that idea. Like, I just re- refuse to believe that because who was going to see Blue Sky? And then the film literally was shelved. So, it was became a possibility that no one would see Blue Sky. So, I feel like she's uh, she doesn't have that. Um, well, how would you even describe it? Like, she doesn't have that in her mind. So, she's yeah. loosening up a little bit. Like, she's having fun with what could pass as a ridiculous role, but because it's in the hands of her, it's not ridiculous.
1: Yes. No, I agree. I think, yeah, I don't think the awards and stuff really factors into her decisions. Um,
0: Perhaps like ever in her career, hence why she chooses these bizarrely like niche. Well, films. it's sort of
1: like the awards come to her. Like she, I think her the roles that she, that she likes are the roles that just happen to be ones that typically attract mm-hmm. awards.
0: Yeah. Like the Francis roles and this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even just like occasionally doing a biopic. Uh, yeah. If I could, I mean, I haven't seen all of Lang's nominations. I actually
1: have only seen Tootsie Francis in this one. So, I haven't seen those kind of, I obs- know oh, I've seen Music Box. I haven't seen Country or Sweet Dreams.
0: Right. I just feel like, I mean, if we want to talk about Jessica Lang being nominated in 1991, I don't know if you'd put her lead or supporting, but her work in Cape Fear is some of like, is one of my favorites from her. I just okay. feel like it's, 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 it's completely like mannered and. Yeah. And, but Not, it just...
1: she isn't what stands out in that film. So I, I honestly don't remember much about what she did, but maybe I should watch yeah. it again.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, I like Nick Nolte in that film as well. I am one of few who just like, doesn't really get the Juliet Lewis hype
1: yeah but just in yeah. general
0: i'm not a big fan of that movie but you know fair enough yeah uh, <laughs> any any more comments on blue sky i mean apart from the fact that it's just like it's still a good watch and it's only 100 yeah it's it's very
1: it's watchable it moves quickly um there's always a lot happening I, like it just because it does take those weird kind of turns in the plot where it becomes about the, you know the, the military kind of cover-up and Mm-hmm. One thing I did notice, and I'll—I guess we can move on because we're kind of going on a bit with, too long to this. But um, the end of the film, there's a bunch of kind of like what looked like mid-scene, there's like little short scenes, and it kind of fades out mid-scene. And I feel like there was a lot cut out of this film. It feels like it—it it was edited. It was kind of a bit of a rush job towards the end. Like scenes kind of briefly happen, and then it kind of fades out. It's like there's not a proper edit. Um, and I just think there was probably more. Um, Longer scenes and just more probably more aspects of the story that were fleshed out and for some reason were were cut out.
0: But maybe it just uh, faded away in the bank vault that it was kept true, in for that could three be <laughs> for three years. That is possible. Yeah. Um, now moving on to a film that was destined to be released in 1994 and finds itself uh, in this lineup. It's Jodie Foster in Nell. Now. Foster received a fair amount of nominations going into the Oscars. She got ones from the Globes, the National Society, New York, LA, and she even won the SAG. I feel like we need to get into that because that's surprising. Uh, Foster was vying for her third Oscar in six years, and she plays the titular Nell, a young woman who has to face other people for the first time after being raised by her mother in an isolated cabin it's a divisive performance and i can say i'm definitely in the group of people who think that this doesn't qualify as a good performance i'm sorry uh quite a shocking film i have to say in terms of like shockingly bad this did absolutely nothing for me and it's just so focused it doesn't even care about its title character it's just so focused on giving like Liam Neeson and Natasha Richardson's characters, their chance to have a, have an awakening through someone, the most tired tropes are in cinema, just awful.
1: Should I get into it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think the film is overly, <laughs> overly good. Um, it's okay. I don't dislike it as much as you do. Um I think it's interesting. It's like, um, it's an ambitious performance. Um, well, people and- always
0: mention it being like, oh, Foster was so brave and so courageous for making this plunge. I don't really see how, th- how this is a brave role, apart from the fact that we know she can deliver dialogue and she's not delivering dialogue.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, the way that I interpret this role and why she did it is that, you know, she's kind of done everything already. Like she, mm. and she was still like, what, 31 or 32. Like she, was a child star, she, like, had a comeback, won an Oscar, wins a second Oscar for Silence of the Lambs, which is kind of like, you know, that's what you can't kind of get reach a higher level than a film like that, which has, you know, which is a huge um, commercial success and a critical success. You know, what does she have left to prove? And I think in her mind it's just, like, I'm going to just do something that really kind of hasn't been done before and is really challenging. So I get why she did it um i agree that it kind of just falls into like tropes that we associate with sort of um i guess i don't know i don't like this word but like kind of oscar baby roles you know it kind of ticks a lot of those boxes um i think yeah there are moments i think where she's really good i think a lot of actually when the kind of silent reaction shots that she has
0: those are are the best parts i will say i i like that
1: yeah that to me was when she kind of stood out I think uh, yeah I it it is it is it is a bit it's too much at times it's just it's a lot
0: hats off for really committing to the role because you can tell that she she is taking it seriously yeah and
1: I think it was the first film that she produced or like one of the first films that she produced so she probably developed it you know found the story and, and wanted this role. And it's kind of mm. interesting because it isn't the main role, really. It's sort of... I don't know how you would describe it. But it's it's much more from Liam Neeson's perspective. And she's mm.
0: sort of... Even though they market it as, like, Nell's story. Yeah. But they don't really go into Nell's backstory past the surface level. And that is frustrating. Because, yeah. Because she's such a mysterious character. But they keep in mysterious.
1: You, you get like hints at what at what her what her life was like. They kind of go into the, a lot of the stuff with the sister and yeah. And that but sort hints of, she so, never got moved past that.
0: I know, but it just seemed, it just seems all just a bit like unimaginative at the end. Like I mean, I feel like a lot of a lot of writers could develop a character like this. And Foster does her best to, like, try to elevate the script, but there's no elevating to be done. And I feel like a lot of actors, I mean, Liam Neeson tries to do the same, but I feel like he struggles as well. Uh, Natasha Richardson is in a whole different movie. Um, I just, I want nuance from from characters, and I feel like nuance comes from a decent script, Mm. and even more so... It's not just—it's not the case of like dialogue because yeah, she is speaking in this film, but in her own way. And I feel like when actors play mute characters, they still convey a lot. But there's just not uh, much, much happening here from there's not a close perspective. Room to do anything yeah, she, too subtle, like it's all yeah, it's all are, laid bare. Mm-hmm. There are limitations, and she definitely reaches like the realm of those the limitations she's hit a wall. I feel like with the performance, but like you said, the silent reaction shots are quite like just incredible. I mean, there's that shot where she's brushing her hair about uh, 15 minutes into the film. um, And he's watching her through like the fly screen. It's quite an interesting shot Uh, when she's not, it's going to sound really bad, but when she's not speaking is when the character is most interesting because it just comes off like incredibly, mm. just it's not good for me. And Foster, yeah. third Oscar in six years, that's entering uh, Walter Brennan territory. Yeah, I think that's kind of
1: we can get into that because I really think on paper, this is a role that I could easily see, um, you know, the Academy giving, giving an actress an Oscar for. And I think she probably came pretty close. And like we, you know, as as you mentioned, like the SAG win is a big thing um, in the first year of the SAG Awards. But I just think, yeah, the third Oscar when she was like 32, I think, or 31, would have just been too much.
0: Yeah, pretty incredible for her career. And then not and for nominated film that, after,
1: right? Yeah, never um, nominated again. So it's it's kind of unfortunate that it's her last nomination. Um, I forget that, but it is. Yeah, it's her last one.
0: Well, the Mauritanian, I think, was like the closest in recent memory yeah, to yeah. another nomination that obviously didn't pan out. Mm. So how did she win the SAG then?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, it was the first year of the SAG Awards. So there wasn't any, um, there was no baggage like that, you know, she'd never won before. So it was kind of, I guess it was okay. Whereas I think the, the Academy probably was still hung up on the fact that they'd just given her two in a short span of time. Mm-hmm. And the you know, the Screen Actors Guild didn't have that. So it was okay. And I think as well, you know, the SAG is a really, you know, big group. It's like 100,000 voters. So a lot of them probably didn't even see a blue sky, you know, to be mm-hmm. if you, you know, you think about it, it probably didn't get seen. Um so, it, it makes sense, I think. I, it, it totally makes sense to me why she would have won that. Do you, does, what do you think?
0: In terms of her winning SAG, honestly, yeah. I, can't, I can't make it out. It, all it, the indications it gives me is that she was perhaps like the runner-up to Jessica Lange in the Oscars voting, but I can't really explain why she, she won the SAG. It's always an interesting thing when you get actors' support Primarily, because if you look at Lang, she's winning the Globe, which comes from journalists, and then she wins the Lafka, which comes from mm-hmm. critics. There are two uh, circles that are not really a part of the Academy, whereas actors make up a huge amount. Do you think yeah. that Lang should have won SAG? Well, I'm surprised on she paper? didn't. Okay, on paper, absolutely. Yeah. And they're all—I res- mean, the SAG nominees that year were fairly respected uh, names. Jessica Lange and Jodie Foster are absolutely respected in the industry as leading actresses, especially especially yeah, at the time. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it was a bit neck and neck between them.
1: It was probably close, yeah.
0: But, I yeah, you can definitely feel the Academy uh, inching away from rewarding performances, uh, a performer three Oscars. Yeah. Kinda I get that me- idea yeah. with, like, Tom Hanks as well in 2000.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, I think. And Nell was sort of like, I, it was one of the last films to be seen. I think it was a bit of a disappointment. Obviously, you know, it didn't perform that well. So, you know, I think getting a third Oscar for a film that wasn't well reviewed and wasn't particularly successful, just mm-hmm. I don't think it would make a lot of sense.
0: These, I should also bears mentioning that none of these films are Best actress, uh, best picture nominees. We mentioned that before, yeah. which also happened this year. So it's just funny True, where yeah. this year comes up as like quote lousy for women's roles, mm. and we had a similar situation this year where the best picture nominees are not tied into best actress, and it's yeah. even worse this year because there were double the nominees in picture. Yeah, it's more of a I mean that yeah. worst bit, like yeah, it's a much more even playing field when there's
1: they're all sort of. Yeah, not films that are
0: nominated. They exist on their own. Um, yeah. I guess we can move into the next nominee, which is just interesting. It's Miranda Richardson in Tom and Viv. Now she's back on the Oscar ballot for her interesting turn as Vivian Hagwood T.S. Eliot's troubled wife in The underseen and Insanely Obscure Tom and Viv. Richardson was nominated, I think, two years prior for damages in supporting actress. Um, But despite Tom and Viv's obscurity, Richardson won the National Board of Review, which I just find really interesting, and was nominated at the Globes and the BAFTAs. Home territory, the BAFTAs one makes the most sense. I would say from the get-go, Tom and Viv doesn't deserve the reputation it has. I think this is actually a fairly, like, decent... Watchable film, um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it made five hundred thousand dollars. You know, just making yeah. bank. Everyone saw Tom and Viv. It was the it- phenomenon <laughs> of ninety four.
1: That and the OJ Simpson trial were just like all anyone could talk about.
0: Truly, Tom and Viv even gets a supporting actress nomination. Rosemary Harris. Which is just like, I mean, if you watch the performance, it's, it's very expected when it comes to supporting actress nominations. But, but I she actually thought an, she was
1: good as well. So Yeah, she has
0: like an incredible scene, I think, at the end of the film that really I, ties it all together. I made a note of that because yeah. I really liked it. In terms yeah. of like appreciating other performances within these nominated films, hers definitely stands out. Um, yeah. I would say That's similarly, Carrie Snodgrass in Blue Sky. Um, a best actress nominee herself. Mm. You got to get around to Diary of a Mad yeah. Housewife. Uh, I do actually need to see that. Good stuff. Very frustrating film, but she's very good in it. Um, Tom and Viv. People like to describe this film as boring. I was never bored. I was no entertained. Sure, it's stuffy. Like the direction is a bit like bland and perhaps like has a, a matinee movie feel to it. Like something that doesn't really have the most inspiration but i mean i i liked it for what it was worth it was a good time and richardson is doing really just bizarre work here um she's playing someone who essentially has a mental illness but they don't know it at the time or they can't classify it as bipolar disorder but um some of the mannerisms are just so just like interesting to watch but when she really tones it down like her Oscar clip, for instance, which comes later in the film, there's a quite a lot of uh, nuance in her performance. If you just can, if you can just look past like the moments when she's uh darting her eyes and like oh. nibbling her food, which is all just like a bit ridiculous. But a, another performance that probably didn't have the hindsight of an Oscar nominee uh, or foresight of an Oscar nomination, so she was able to like have a little bit more fun with it.
1: Well, I have to say it's Masterpiece Theatre presents the Heartbreak Kid. I think that's a...
0: Yeah, I was trying to think of what... Yeah, I said... (laughs) Or James Ivory or... I meant Masterpiece Theatre. Yeah. When I said Imagine movie, I just couldn't... No, this is not Merchant Ivory. Are you kidding? This is so far from from Merchant Ivory.
1: Yeah. But yeah, weirdly similar to the Heartbreak Kid, in my opinion. Um, But... We don't have to get no. into that. <laughs> we won't get into that. That's fine. Um, but, uh, okay, I think I would say great performance. I really think she's actually really good. And I think not going and expecting a lot helped mm-hmm. just because it doesn't, you know, get mentioned a lot. And what I've heard isn't that positive. But I thought pretty incredible. Um, and, like, as you mentioned, the film is really watchable, I think, because of her Um it isn't, like, a typical stuffy, like, buttoned-down um, Merchant Ivory kind of character. Like, she is kind of, you know, there are, there's complexity to her character. You know, she is, like, brilliant, but she's sort of not ever taken seriously because of her um, mental illness. And, you know, there are those scenes where, yeah, it gets a bit big and it's a bit muggy mugging for the camera. But... There are those incredible scenes when it is quieter and toned down, but there's so much going on. Like I think of the scene when they're ready to take her away to the sanitarium yeah. and she, they ask her a maths question and she can't, I, I can't even tell, and it's not an, a critic critique, but you can't really tell, I think, if she either knows the answer but is just sort of not going to keep fighting it because she kind of knows it's inevitable, so just says the wrong answer anyway. Or if she actually doesn't know the answer, but she's so defeated in that moment and it's pretty powerful stuff. And then I think at the end of the film, when she's been living in the sanitarium for like 14 years, whatever it is. Yeah. And she's still clinging to this relationship and to Tom, who's totally betrayed her. Mm -hmm. And there's just like a sadness, but there's like a kind of deluded quality and I just think she really understood the character and really understood what a woman in that time period afflicted with that you know mental illness would have been like If that makes mm-hmm.
0: sense and the final scene is actually like quite moving i would say yeah and even genuinely. the final shot of morris exiting uh and they basically both men morris and tom are like covered by a gate or a cage uh mm. it, it, it's like genuinely moving i I don't know how people can say this is a boring film. Like perhaps yeah. the the dialogue is lacking, but I wouldn't even say like, I can't even see it from that perspective. I mean, it's like a solid three and a half stars. I think I give a lot of these films three and a half stars. It's just, they mm. can't get past that, that zone, but it it's not what I, I expected. Something that was completely just like dull mm. and uninspired and just not engaging, but I didn't get that. I want also, just like performances past Richardson and uh Harris are quite good as well. Yeah. Willem Defoe, the gentleman who plays Morris, I forget his name. Also I like the guy that played the father,
1: good. her her father. Kind of disapproving mm. of Tom at the start.
0: Yeah. That was but and even to like her final scene, which it's almost like, okay, it's a bit it's a bit corny when it comes to Oscar films when you have like it's like a beautiful mind. Like you go in the future, there's the makeup nomination. Obviously, yeah. this film didn't get the makeup nomination, but she's older. Um she's sort of been cured of Yeah, or the, she Yeah. Cured in in, in quotes somewhere. of course. Um, but she's also like she doesn't let herself become emotional. Uh she wants, yeah. she gives Morris the chocolates. Um, and he's crying, but she goes, I think she stops herself and says, I don't want to be late for supper and kind of mm-hmm. removes herself from that situation. I think it's, I would, I don't want to like spoil anything. We're going to rank these later, but I'm really fond of this performance. I think yeah. it's like actually really good stuff. Uh, she has a moment with T.S. Elliot, Willem Dafoe after, at, during a dinner party or something. And she's, it's kind of like a heart to heart about their relationship. And she mentions how she wants to escape her lifestyle, but her husband, uh, an American, uh, always wanted to be an English gentleman and Mm. just draws him, her back into that. And I think that was her Oscar clip. At least I, I at least I just guessed based on like the freeze frame that, Mm. (laughs) that the Academy YouTube page just uploads. But Overall, this is really great stuff from Miranda Richardson, who we don't really see from yeah. anymore.
1: Uh, I feel like she had a bit of a moment there in the mid 90s, um, you know, like two, two nominations and
0: also um, in the crime game. And another,
1: yeah, other films. And it, I guess it kind of didn't quite pan out beyond this. I guess this was sort of the peak. And then.
0: I mean, in my nothing... mind, I have like. This theory that Kristen Scott Thomas overtook Miranda Richardson in terms of like could what be. the British market was looking for. Yeah. Cause yeah. you know, those things happen. I mean Miranda Richardson in the English patient. Can we see that happening?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's it's a good it's a good question. I'm not sure if I could see it, but yeah. Yeah, maybe.
0: The National Board of Review are an interesting society. I never really get who are they again. <laughs>
1: like, I don't really know. I don't think anyone, anyone knows know. exactly who they are,
0: right? Because I mean, they it's...
1: did put this in their top ten films, so they obviously liked oh, it wow. and saw it and gave it two acting wins. Two, because Rosemary Harris won supporting. Oh wow!
0: Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, they um, they're also the first one to. They sort of kick off yeah. awards season, even though they're yeah. not really in awards in the traditional sense. It's like a juried thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess this film, like I said, made five hundred thousand dollars. All the National Board of Review members went to see this. Yeah,
1: well, it goes a long way. Like I think if you have, you know, if you have an ad and it's got Best Actress winner, like at a legitimate organization, it kind of does put that idea into people's minds when it comes to voting. So, Mm -hmm. and I think, you know, the few things like it is a Miramax film when they were really like, at kind of.
0: Wait, Tom and Viv was a Miramax?
1: I think so. I'm pretty sure it was Miramax. And another aspect of all of this is that it is, we're now in the era of screeners. So, films like this could be seen. Yeah, it is. Sorry, it is Miramax. All right. So, okay. films like this had a much wider circulation, I guess, in Hollywood um, because they were available on tape. So, you didn't have to, it wasn't, you know, it obviously didn't get a big release. But if the screeners mm-hmm. went to the right people, it, it was, that's all that, that mattered. So um,
0: It's an interesting point when you compare it to something else in the lineup, like The Client, which made over $100 million. And how screeners sort of bring everything down to like the same playing field.
1: Yeah, which probably helped Blue Sky as well.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, so prior to this, uh, academy members were watching films sort of like in either like hotels or ballrooms or whatever it may be, just at like academy movies. events or at yeah. the movies. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize think- ninety four was the year when that happened. I thought. It well, was no, that. I
1: think I think by this point it was a gradual thing, but by ninety four I think it was in full swing. Um, I think the first big one was my left foot from memory that I think that was the first mm. one where that really moved the, you know, changed the game a bit, changed, but yeah. by 94, yeah, it was, it was in full swing. So definitely helped some of these films, I think.
0: Right. V- yeah. VHS screeners. That's, that's quite the, that's quite the period. It's less than 30 mm. years ago. It's kind of how the game has changed, but yeah. Uh, I think, like, yeah, plenty of things have definitely stayed the same in terms of Oscar campaigning, at least. But, yeah, Tom and Viv definitely has, I feel like, an audience. It's probably of the older generation, and that's okay. They also yep. watch movies. Yeah. Um, 4K release of this, re-release, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'm hoping. What a film. Uh, next yep. in the lineup is Winona Ryder, who has just been nominated for The Age of Innocence which is a film that I love like immensely. Uh, she did not receive any major precursor attention in the lead up to her Oscar nomination. She plays Joe March this year in Gillian Armstrong's version of little women. Sorry. I didn't, uh, make it clear that I was changing years there, but age of innocence last year, the year before little women, 1994. Um, I think there's definitely... Okay, I don't want to be too harsh, but I feel like there's definitely a reason why this didn't get huge awards attention. It's definitely rewarding a name and not a performance because I don't really have a lot to say about her portrayal of Joe March, whereas I feel like I can talk in depth about how, like, Sersha Ronan played the part.
1: Yeah, this is definitely the performance that I have the least to talk about. Um, I, I don't think there's a, a whole notes. lot... <laughs> There's not a whole lot there. I think it's interesting that she's like the sole above the title um, cast member, to, which I think is a testament to the fact that she was, you know, a big star at the time, mm-hmm. um, which definitely helps. Um, you know, it is like a movie star leading role for a woman in a year that there weren't that many in kind of a genre that the Academy respond to. So, yeah, you know, I think, you um, I think the film is actually really good. I think it might be the best film of the five potentially, but it is my least favorite performance. So that's kind of a weird dichotomy, but um, she's nice. She's very, you know, very beautiful, um, but I wouldn't say overly magnetic as a performance.
0: I would agree. And I feel like the performance definitely grew on me as Joe herself yeah. grows and that's a good has point. more experience. Um, but in the beginning, I, I I wasn't I wasn't really in tune with what she was
1: Yeah. She the was film doing. as a whole grew on me as it went along. I think when it started, I kind of wasn't in a mood. I had the like exact the, same. The Little Women, because I hadn't seen this one before. Um, mm-hmm. Felt like I'd kind of seen it before and had seen like a superior version with the Gerwig one. But, you know, it grew on me. I think I got attached to the characters. And, and you're right. She gets more to do. Like, I think the last half an hour it really zones in. On her character, Mm -hmm. Um, where it's probably more of an ensemble for like the first hour or so, but you really get more of Joe's perspective and she gets a few really good scenes. Um, Is it Beth that dies? I get the names mixed up. The death scene with Claire Danes.
0: Uh, Let's go with Beth.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that was good. And I thought all the scenes with Gabriel Byrne were were like quite good. Yeah. So it's a nice performance. I don't really love Winona Ryder in like period drama. Um, I'm just thinking of Dracula and even The Age of Innocence. and this, I don't think it's really her forte. Like she's such a quintessentially '90s Mm. actress. So it's kind of hard to take her in these kind of roles. But um, it's yeah, it's just not. That's a good point.
0: I mean, I like that you've mentioned that because it kind of seems like we're going through this again with like Dakota Johnson's casting in Persuasion, mm. the Jane Austen adaptation, where it's like, does she fit that era? Probably not. Why are we trying to take a very modern girl and put her in the past? Yeah, uh, That might not be her style. And then you have actresses like Kira Knightley. It's like, do they live in the past? Are they even yeah. from this era because they're so indebted to, to history? Well, it seems like historical films at least. It's, an, it's a really interesting point and I like it because I don't, I agree. I think that she feels a bit maybe deliberately out of place. I feel like that's definitely the intention yeah. to have someone who yeah. doesn't feel like someone who was alive in the 1860s to yeah. kind of give the contemporary audience someone to relate to. And the character that's, is kind of out of, you know, her whole thing is that she's outspoken. and,
1: and Yeah. And doesn't quite fit in. To the that yeah. world and wants something bigger and better it it does work
0: i mean it, it works in theory i just think like the performance itself is i think the reason she was nominated um taking over quite a few actresses that had built up precursor attention is because the film itself is quite warm fuzzy yeah. it's like a christmas movie i wrote
1: that if it was released by miramax it would have gotten 10 nominations
0: it probably would have, obviously. but <laughs> but even just like it must have felt really warm and fuzzy for the academy members to put Winona Ryder on their ballot because the film itself made them feel good. It was like this late year release that came out when it was literally snowing in North America. True. And watching this, uh, here uh, in Australia, 30 years removed, although it is an Australian fact, director. That is true, but I did not feel a connection to Little Women up until like uh, an hour. I was just like, wow, it's Claire Danes. Wow, it's Kirsten Dunst. I kind of forgot that I was like supposed to be judging Winona Ryder's performance. Yeah, And I was like, oh, Susan Zarandon is here. I mean, I knew that, but I mean, the fact that there's so many like interconnecting actors in these films, even like interconnecting families, the Natasha Richardson, Tony Richardson connection. Uh, I like that. I was, like, distracted. So, <laughs> although I just want to say quickly, you're a 2019 winner where Saoirse Ronan was nominated. What is it?
1: I actually would go with Zellweger.
0: Oh, so you agree with the Academy?
1: I don't overly... I'm not passionate about a lot of the nominees in that, that year, in that category. But I think, I think Zellweger was the one that impressed me the most. So, I mm-hmm. would, would say Zellweger, yeah. What about you?
0: Oh right, that's this is my chance to reward Saoirse Ronan. Okay, even though she is like very close in twenty fifteen, but I have to go with Kate. Uh and two thousand and seven, like just a. I feel like she will. She will win. She's not yeah. in her thirties yet. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's fine. Inc- inc- that's
1: actually a bit of an <laughs> <She's> interesting <fine. laughs> segue. Interesting segue there. I was watching like a critics' roundtable from this year and. They were like, "We're a writer was good, but you know, she has twenty years to still win, and that and must sometimes
0: have it doesn't pan out
1: in the perception, and it just didn't didn't pan out that way." So, you know, maybe that maybe this is like a nomination of like, yeah, like you know, she's going to be here for a long time, and she's going to do lots of good work, and we're a fan of hers, and this obviously was the last time.
0: So. But there was also like a flip that happened on Winona Ryder in the 90s, at least from a critical perspective, like a lot of critics really dissed her performance in Girl Interrupted, quite harsh yeah. against her, but really propped up Angelina Jolie as this huge, like, scene-stealing performance that obviously ultimately won the Oscar. And then I don't really like getting to actors' personal lives on this podcast, but she obviously had an incident in the early 2000s mm. that further... Uh, stilted any career growth but she's back with tv you know stranger things that's that's a thing never forget that yeah um, i haven't watched
1: it but i'm so sure she's i'm, I'm sure she's know.
0: good she's good so there's a lot uh she's definitely doing a lot in the earlier seasons but uh well, let's just get into the last nominee because then we'll be yeah we'll be here all day uh yeah. it's susan sarandon speaking of uh her winona Riders co-star now, I wrote that Susan Sarandon was four times a bridesmaid and never a bride when she was bestowed another leading actress nomination for The Client. The Client is one of the strangest films I think I've seen. That's, that's exaggerating, but it is very strange. Uh, it follows a young boy who hires Reggie Love, played by yours truly, to represent him and protect him from a brutal US attorney and the mafia. Like what the heck, um, Sarandon? Sarandon got a SAG nomination and actually won the BAFTA. That's which it feels like interesting. <laughs> it is interesting, but it's also like what was happening this year where they couldn't settle on one actress. Was it was well, a really. Yeah, I is do, that a sign I, of weakness is, or is that a sign of strength? I, don't I, know. I
1: like that. Like, I'd rather have that than one person win everything. I like mm-hmm. that BAFTA kind of went out on their own with, with this one. Um. <laughs> Compared to now, but... Um, yeah, truly. Sorry, yeah, you were saying, yeah.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, this is a very strange film. Uh, she's playing uh, a lawyer. Uh, yeah, a lawyer who's, like, sort of overlooked, it seems, well, by, it the actually, in, by the industry.
1: It fits into a kind of a classic best actress archetype, because it is that kind of underestimated Southern woman who stands up to the system and has those kind of quick... One line is so, you know it's Aaron Brokovich, it's Norma ray it's you know Silkwood, The Blind Side. There's like a whole string Isabel. of these.
2: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but
1: you know what I mean? There's a whole string of these where it's sort of the snappy Southern woman, and that's obviously, I guess you know if she played it straight, maybe it wouldn't have stood out as much. She didn't kind of have an accent and have that kind of those added characteristics
0: i feel like we just have to describe just like her first scene like the first time you see reggie love you've seen about 45 minutes of the client that's the thing it's like nowhere to be seen it's like the film takes forever to
1: actually get started it just it seems to it seems to be kind of a pretty thin plot stretched over two hours and it takes forever to get to susan sarandon Mm
0: -hmm. and when we finally do she uh, the young child who is like the... He was kind uh, of the,
1: the actual lead of the film.
0: The actual lead. Uh, yeah. It wants, uh, needs a lawyer, but can't find one. Uh, and he comes across her and she's in a, like a white blouse and a pencil skirt and she's like doing up her office, it seems like. She's, she's like trying like,
1: like, open the window, I
0: think. Yeah, but it's just like, it kind of looks like she's renovating the place. It's just yeah. bizarre, but it's just a way to like but show kinda... off. Susan Sarandon's looks as well. I mean, she is like supposed to be like very sultry in this film, the same way as like Jessica Lange is. But then she's also like, oh, she can be smart. And she's like a very assertive, like yeah. businesswoman sort of thing, which is like very 90s in and of itself. But
1: that first scene does stand out, I think. Like that is what I think of when I think of the character. There's something about she brings like a, a real screen presence I think it is like a, a an example, of like a, of a movie star role at the kind of the peak of her stardom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think you know, like she does a lot with what's not much of a role. And um, and I think you know, don't you feel like when you see her, you're like you feel like okay, like you're in good hands in terms of you like you feel like it's going to be okay because she's now his lawyer like you kind of get that
0: yeah well she you have she's like someone you can trust it's funny you mentioned yeah. that because i will say i have that same feeling with someone else who was not nominated okay. but we'll get there that idea of like a screen presence that you can trust as like yeah. a character and the person they're playing it's like it's motherly of course but yeah. then she also gets to be like an action heroine for like two seconds it's yeah it's, it's, and they it's kind very of bizarre but
1: they build that into this character is that she's, I think, lost custody of her children, mm. but she she was an alcoholic and she's kind of making up for it by defending this kid, you know, for free. Yeah. And they, I thought they try to make the character, they try to flesh out the character, but ultimately I don't think there's a whole lot there beyond just kind of a bit of like, charisma and strong you know screen presence
0: but i do feel like she's the only well-written character in the film at the same time yeah uh so i i so yeah although there are some times where she's like like overly frustrating like when the child in question i'm like i've forgotten his name it's so bad i'm just gonna call him the child (laughs) he has he's clearly in danger but she's just like ignoring him because she's trying to like make a point that she's not his mother. Mm. Um, and that's kind of just like comes down to just like pretty bad writing, like just yeah. like fleshing out the character, but then at the same time, like taking her back like two steps. Yeah. It's like, a, yeah. And the reveal of her being like uh, an alcoholic, which is something that people use against her. Um, ultimately, like gives you the chance to root for her because she is this underdog in this situation she's going against a u.s attorney played by tommy lee jones another connection yeah. to uh, the 94 lineup um and he's quite very broad-tool. classic
1: comic tommy, tommy lee jones
0: character yeah like, I, i'm like yeah. not tommy lee jones biggest fan yeah but at the same time he's protected by like a wealth of men and it's, like, a woman and a child going up against that yeah. system. Yes, and that's
1: the whole kind of up against the system thing, which we've seen,
0: you know, many times. Plenty of times. I It could be in Aaron Brockovich if it was in a, perhaps a different film or perhaps Joel yeah. Schumacher wasn't the director and didn't get and uh, distracted by his tendencies.
1: And maybe Susan Sarandon could have played Aaron Brockovich, you know. She could have probably done it pretty well based on this.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, like, she's always playing... I don't know, I just like her as an actress, but even, like, compared to Lorenzo's oil from two years prior, where her main sort of motivation is the fact that she's, like, a mother mm. who wants to... who's, like, looking after an ailed child, and then Dead Man walking, which she's, like, playing... Like, like she's almost, like, a virtuosity, like, yeah. ca- character. But it's an interesting mix in the 90s era of Susan Sarandon, because the next year would be her chance to win, but then also her last nomination.
1: Yes. And I think there were a lot of fans of Susan Sarandon at this time and really wanted her to get an Oscar, which which I'm sure pushed her over the line and got her this nomination. Um, I could totally see people thinking that she was the best, you know, working actress at that time Um, because she was doing really good stuff. Um, And I think, yeah, the overdue factor is probably what really helped with this nomination and maybe if they spun it a certain way could have gotten her a win because she was overdue luckily they waited for the next year cuz this wouldn't have really earned it but um you know i'm sure she definitely had her supporters that year uh,
0: yeah and i i mean i think there was someone i think it was andrew carden who asked like if she won this year who would have won the next year mm. I think it's Elizabeth Shue winning in 95 had Susan Sarandon won here or perhaps uh, back-to-back you, you really don't know sell,
1: actually. I really don't know. It's I think, it, I, yeah. yeah, I think, I think maybe Emma Thompson could have won actually.
0: All right. Screenplay. It is the one though, best.
1: So. It is the only best picture nominee in that lineup. So
0: mm. can't rule that out. It's true. Uh, anything else you want to say about the, five nominees well or... actually
1: i just wanted to talk about um well I th- we don't have to get into it i just think what do you think of the bafta win we kind of briefly touched on it but
0: it's bizarre it's a,
1: yeah and the lineup isn't there's not a lot of cro- is there any there's no crossover with the oscars except for ceremony.
0: and That's miranda all. richardson i think
1: i think she was actually nominated the year before
0: oh right i mean i still consider it as a bafta's nomination. right yeah but yeah but, but- so who was she up against? She then? was
1: up against Linda Fiorentino, oh, yeah. um, Uma Thurman, and Irene Jacob or Jacob Jacob. Jacob yeah.
0: yeah, three colors red. Mm. Uh, interesting win. That is that's very interesting. Maybe that's the film's box office success. Injecting
1: it probably was the one film that a lot of people, just the average audience, had seen from that year, from that lineup. Yes. At the Oscars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, apart from what was happening in Best Picture, I mean, did the client make more than a film like The Shawshank Redemption at the time? Maybe. Yeah, it made a like, lot more.
2: Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, that's the five, that's the five actresses. Yeah. I will get into our ranking of them later. But let's start with the actresses that missed out. There's quite a few to get through here um should we just start from the top linda fiorentino for the last Seduction*, who won the new york film critics circle was nominated at the bafta and won the spirit award but was deemed ineligible by the academy because her film had aired on tv prior to a theatrical run uh and then they sued the academy <laughs> as, as really you do. weird thing yeah
1: like I do, like, yeah, I mean, the rules are pretty clear. I did look it up and it was on TV several times and basically got a TV release, and then off the back of that, you know got a theatrical run. So um, you know, I do personally love the idea of cinemas and like the classic like the theatrical model of release, and I think, you know, in this case, it probably it shouldn't have been eligible. Um, but I'm sure people will think it should have. I just personally think it, the right decision was made. Um,
0: yeah, I think for the, so as well. Because like, yeah. where do you draw the
1: line? How is it not an Emmy contender? Like, yeah, if that's the case.
0: But- I mean, do you remember a couple of years back when that short film from Norway was taken off the nomination list because they found out it aired on TV? Right. Like, they, they have to be quite stringent with the rules. Otherwise, what are the point of creating those rules and you can't just
1: sue them because what the role is so good that you should be sued for not
0: <laughs> and the, the film does feel like a tv movie at times like it feels honest. very
1: like cable movie Absolutely. just the cinematography the the music
0: that music is hilarious yeah. that is like it's like stock music yeah. i read a review that was like and music that you'd like expect to see over like shots of San Francisco vistas. And it's like, yeah. yeah, because it just seems like it's stock music. It's just yeah. so cheesy. And the yeah. film itself is like kind of cheesy as well. It is.
1: I like the film. I think um I hadn't seen it. I didn't actually know anything about it. So it's kind of a film where if you don't know the storyline, it kind of, it's not a classic kind of getting from A to B story. It kind of takes turns and goes in weird directions and mm-hmm. gets more... Ah, what's the word? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's just, there's, there's, it's darker than, I guess, like, when they start talking about killing people and that kind of, okay, I didn't expect it to go quite that far, but.
0: um, Well, what did you expect from the film? Because I went. I didn't really know anything about it. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. Um, I just seen the shot of her in the bar, like with a cigarette and I'm like, okay, are we going to get a femme fatale? It's kind of of a modern femme
1: fatale, yeah.
0: But she's also like taking men on for a ride and like it's like a yeah, revenge that's the thriller. 90s oh yeah kind of take on it i guess yeah like a revenge thriller but one that's also like financially like taking revenge financially like yeah. stripping people of their money um also like sexually that scene in like the last 10 minutes kind of like tanks the film in my opinion <laughs> but uh it's it's flawed and it's an erotic thriller from the Academy's perspective, say this was illegible, I could imagine their thinking would have been like, well, we didn't give Kathleen Turner an Oscar nomination mm. for Body Heat. Why would we give Linda Fiorentino, who has since retired from acting? So yeah. another interesting kind of like career that didn't quite, didn't quite go, go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm Sure, there was a lot of potential like for her off the back of this, um, I think it's you fun. Think, though? <laughs> do you though? Do you think? Uh, no, she's good. I, I like. I think she's good. I think it's not a classic best actress role. Like, it's kind of an icy, cold, calculating villain. character, yeah. villain. I don't know if she would have still been nominated, even if she was eligible, just based on the role. And I don't think it was, like, a, an enormous film. So, um, and it kind of, I don't know, for me, like, the film, it kind of, you forget about it as soon as you finish watching it, sort of thing. It doesn't quite stay with you.
0: And she, her her performance at least turns into a little bit of like a stock role near the end and I kind of got a bit sick of how the film was just rehashing the same ground Mm. like she definitely stays in that persona which is like good from a performance perspective but it was just like not going anywhere like you figured out what type of performance it was going to be in the first 15 minutes and this film itself like I mean Bill Pullman's in it but there's not like many like huge names here to keep you like, or to at least bring an audience into this film, say it were alleged. Yeah. And it's just
1: not very like cinematic, as we were saying.
0: Yeah. My, I watched it in HD and I just, the print was just like, yeah, cool as well. Like it just had so many like, uh, digital patches in it. As, yeah. Just like, what is this? is a TV movie. It's really like, like, this this like is. 90s independent film. I'd watch like this a in a motel that had HBO in the 90s or something. Like I would, yeah see this in a cinema or at least be drawn to it in a cinema but yeah yeah
1: but i, I did like it despite of what i'm saying i did think it was good i just don't you know it was good it was
0: solid it was solid uh yeah. i can see like a critic circle getting behind it especially mm. new york i mean like the film is set on the east coast i mean mm-hmm. that doesn't really factor in as much as like people think it does but i think like it's something that that circle would respond to Yeah, quite it's definitely well. got a critics...
1: Yeah, I can see critics going for it.
0: Yeah, because it is as a, like... Well,
1: as a performance.
0: Especially in the year which had a reputation for being just, like, not good for female roles. It would have stuck out as, like, perhaps a, a treasure or, like, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. golden nugget. It's like, oh, this yeah. is Fiorentino, who is someone that we don't really know much about, is giving this, like... Almost star turning. The, the original films. character. That too, yeah. Okay. Well, what about the, yeah, go ahead.
2: No.
0: Yeah. Uh Does the spirit win itself is like, who knows what the independent spirits really get to? They gave Sally Kirkland her Oscar. Uh, sorry. Her, her Oscar. Indie, yeah, yeah, they gave Sally her, her indie spirit. So you never know what truly goes you never on. Know there. what. That's true. That's a good point. Uh, speaking of Spirit nominees in the same year, we have Jennifer Jason Leigh in Mrs. Parker and The Vicious Circle. Not Cycle, as I thought it was for ages. It's The Vicious Circle because we're talking about the Algonquin Round Roundtable. Um, now, Jennifer Jason Leigh was nominated at the Globes, won the National Society of Film Critics Circle and was nominated at the spirit award now winning the nf nsfc which is has that reputation of being quite snobby definitely checks out with this film which itself is quite snobby go go ben. go ahead <laughs> go, go,
1: go speaking of movies with like a limited audience i think this maybe is just a film that is is for critics i don't know um I didn't... I thought the film was fine. I, I didn't mind it. I liked the, re, the rec, recreation of the period and um, the Altman-esque quality, which, you know, Alan Rudolph is a protege of Robert Altman. Um, uh-huh.
0: It's like Robert but, Altman meets Woody Allen. That's how yeah, I describe it. Yeah.
1: I didn't like Lee. Didn't Just didn't buy it. Thought she kind of bit off more than she could chew with this character. I don't think she was up to it. Um she kind of has this Wednesday Adams thing going on. It's like that kind of, she found a voice, obviously, at some point, this kind of monotone deadpan thing and just kind of plays that for the whole thing. And by the end, when she's playing like an older woman, you just like, it just, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's totally unbelievable.
0: But she's doing the exact same voice in the Hudsucker proxy.
1: Which I haven't seen,
0: but. Have you seen her in it though? Like clips of it? No, that? I haven't. Oh, Wow. Uh, Then you're in for a treat because it is the exact same voice and the exact same shtick. Yeah. But there were honestly times where I couldn't understand what she was saying. I know it sounds like kind of bad. It doesn't help that this film is very obscure and like hard to find with subtitles, let alone like HD. It short changes,
1: I think, the Dorothy Parker. Wit. uh, Wit, if you can't, if it's not well articulated.
0: I know. It's like, why Why is she slurring this much? Is this really how Dorothy Parker spoke? She just did seemed, seemed I like- actually
1: listened to some... Just because I wanted to see how accurate it was. And I listened to some audio of Dorothy Parker. And it was her reciting poetry. So, it wasn't just like a kind of conversational natural thing. But she wasn't as kind of clenched and stilted as Lee is portraying her to be. Right. Um,
0: okay or like slurry (laughs) no yeah she was more articulate yeah yeah okay i and a few i read a critics review that said that like the film itself doesn't go into mrs parker's heart it just wants to like display a character that's perhaps like easily uh easily impersonated deborah you know what i'm trying to say like Mm. it's easy to impersonate um And I kind of agree, like, I just didn't really get much from Mrs. Parker herself. But I found, like, the characters that she was uh, occupying herself with pretty interesting as well. And, like, at the end of the day, I still like the film, but it was a lead performance that kind of got lost within perhaps, like, even, like, Alan Rudolph's direction. Like, there are moments where she recites her poems and it's, like, in black and white. It kind of has this modern feel to it. It's like a yeah. perfume commercial. Mm, mm-hmm. It's like, what was that about? Like, that didn't really fit into the film as, like, a larger, larger thing. Even, like, starting in black and white, she says, I could mm. see it in colour, and then the film transitions to colour. Yeah. Like, come on. That is ridiculous. Yeah. But, yeah. But uh, did anyone see this film? That's That's the question at the end of the day like i think it's a limited
1: i think there's a limited audience for it um and i just don't think it really I, i think it's a divisive performance ultimately and i just don't think
0: well it feels like it's catered to an art house crowd someone who actually like actively has an interest in like the art the literature world that sort of thing yeah uh an audience that itself would be a little bit like pretentious like the film is yeah um And I feel like the Academy wasn't feeling that this year, even though it does Academy. fit into like an historical biopic, that sort of thing. Uh Jennifer yeah. Jason Lee also went through the same thing the next year with goodness. What's the film called Georgia? Georgia. Yeah. yeah. The same thing. Precursors, no Oscar nomination. So yeah. the fact that she even has an Oscar nomination for mm. the hateful eight feels like a miracle. But, <laughs> uh, People love her, especially on film Twitter. Yeah. It's not really something that like I particularly get into. I just think, yeah, I don't. Okay, get it.
1: yeah, I've just I've not seen her in a lot, but I'm I've never been overly wowed by by Jennifer doing. Jason Lee. That's yeah. Sorry, fair enough. Yeah,
0: um, you don't have to be sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I just want to say I like. We'll get. I'll quickly say something. I I like the kind of thesis of the film in that. By the end of it it kind of reveals that this whole um, lifestyle and this whole um, whatever you, I don't know what you call it of the of the Algonquin round, table, table, round yeah. table was ultimately kind of empty and more about posturing and appearance than anything else and kind of caused um, Dorothy Parker to sort of I don't know find herself lost and um, or to
0: fall I, into like crushing habits. Yeah. Even which is like, like
1: kind of not the way you think it's going from the start. It's kind of the romanticized version and then it ends up being actually it wasn't right. Well that's great.
0: Why I mentioned like the Woody Allen comparison definitely seems like that era of him who fell into like period uh storytelling films mm. like Sweet and Low Down, even like Midnight in Paris. I felt like it was going down a similar route, but even just like the frustration of like actually knowing writers in person and what those friendships look like uh, inside a circle that on the surface level is quite social. They literally meet over a round table, like weekly, Mm. but at the same time, are quite vain and self-obsessed and all of the loveliness that comes With knowing people like that, uh, I'm kind of excited to get into Meryl Streep. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Because The River Wild is just hilarious as a film because it's so, like, almost unbelievable in how it goes on and the. It's pretty absurd. Um, It is. I feel like we should sort of describe it quickly, like, because it is an action adventure drama thriller whatever you want to describe it and we have it's, a Meryl Streep in the lead which is like yeah kind of that's also something that people were mentioning like how, look at how weak this year is Meryl Streep in an action film it's like what she's allowed to make like decisions with her career that are outside you know like the boxes that we know her for I mean that's why I love Meryl in like Ricky in the Flash because it's like I mean that's more recent but it's like mm. yeah you we know you as a good actor you can have fun with your career as well and it's like
1: kind of classic meryl that she would you know do her own stunts and learn how to write
0: water or (laughs) or whatever it is i didn't know 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 that she did that i mean like of course she did i just i don't know how much of this film is body doubles but anyway they're on an adventure for whatever reason um as people do and she is she was a guide I think she was a guide. And she does sign Mario. language as well. So that's
1: true. I'm sure she learned how to do that for the role.
0: Yeah, although there's not that much. But
1: no. Uh, so that's the thing about the movie. You kind of it's it it's, it um signposts everything. So as soon as there's sign language introduced, you know it's gonna come into play. At mm-hmm. some point later in the film, when they talk about smoke signals, yeah. you know, they're gonna use smoke signals. Like it's all very telegraphed.
0: Yeah, it's like the checkups gun, but for yeah sign language. Yeah, but, exactly. So, Yeah, keep going. Well, because I mentioned earlier about, like, trusting a character. I trust her in this film because you know that she has experience with the area. Yeah. And that she's also quite pragmatic and switched on. Um, so, I, I mean, that comes from Meryl's just, like, general presence as a, as a screen actress. Uh, and I just really like her in this film. She's well, a play you, a heroine. Yeah, you yeah. were
1: explaining the plot and how...
0: Yeah. So, uh, oh, yeah. Of course. uh yeah. They're on an adventure. Her marriage is sort of struggling with David Strathern, uh, and she's has a kid waiting at home. But there's a kid. Her kid's there on the trip, and so is their dog. And their plan is to just white water raft, a getaway, that sort of thing. And then they come across uh, two men. Early on in the film, there's a third man. I- I think they offed him But later on in the journey They come across Kevin Bacon and John C. Riley Playing characters, of course And they're just like They're just dodgy guys But she's generally a warm and receptive person So she kind of joins hands with them Or just like takes them in And they sort of do the rest of the journey together Uh, Turns out that they've robbed a cattle auction And they're using the river as their getaway it's wild, uh, you could say. You could. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... it's
1: very, it's sort of deliverance for soccer moms. It's kind of.
0: Well, I thought that it was going to be more similar to deliverance when I read the description, because it just seems like the same thing from like.
1: It's similar. It's not it's... as obviously um, dark as deliverance is. It's a bit more family friendly.
0: Yeah, and a bit more unrealistic in terms of how people well, yeah. would get out of that situation. Which they do have to do. <laughs> they have to get it. I mean, but it's like how does she navigate that while also like not tipping them off? And Kevin Bacon is a villain, like I buy it, but he's not really doing like he's it's a pretty ordinary
1: a very cliche kind of cookie cutter villain. There's nothing overly absolutely <laughs> about his character.
0: Um he got a globe nomination and so did Streep. And Street also got a SAG, got a SAG well. nomination. Yeah.
1: I figure she was pro- i think she was probably sixth um based on her
0: well, think she is often when she gets left out of the Oscar lineup, it seems to be happening a lot more recently mm. but at the time, like even the nineties was not her strongest decade, but she was still consistently nominated yeah
1: I think with this film i it doesn't give her enough to do to warrant a nomination um but, you know, I think the film also just wasn't a, um, a huge success. It did okay, but it didn't do anything. It didn't go above and beyond. And I think, you know, if it was like, say it was like a fugitive level success, you know, that could have, I could see Street getting in in that situation. But just being that it wasn't like particularly successful or well-reviewed, I just think it was kind of a too much of a, it was a bridge too far for the Academy to kind of get behind an action movie in like an acting category. mm mm-hmm.
0: If she were nominated, she would have had an amazing Oscar clip, though. Uh, It's when she sort of confronts Wade by whispering in his Mm. ear. Uh, She says she basically says, I don't care about you. I've got my little girl waiting at home for me. Um, And she just says like, I can't do it, man. I can't go down this uh, really dangerous part of the river that's coming up. Yeah, She sort of breaks down, but is also quite composed in it. She really,
1: she elevates the material. Cause I think if you like look at the dialogue on paper, it's pretty like mundane, but she manages to kind of make more out of it. Hmm. And she does things that are kind of unexpected where she'll be, she's kind of scared, but her way of dealing with it is kind of laughing through her dialogue at the like immense, Um, immensity of the situation and it's kind of laughing to crying it's just like not the expected reactions. i think someone would have to being to to fear which is just a case of yeah i think street making making more out of the material than than is there yeah Um, i like it i think it's a fun movie that's it's something about it i don't know it's just it's something very entertaining about it
0: yeah it also had like a pretty good score I don't know yeah. if I'm alone in that because it didn't get any nominations for scores from anyone. But I I liked it.
1: I imagine it would have been kind of a nightmare to film the fact that it all kind of takes place yeah on a river outdoors on a river and with rapids and
0: and just uh, Curtis continuity and, is yeah. just he's such an interesting director because in less than ten years he does this L.A. Confidential and then Eight Mile just an interesting yeah
1: and he'd done the hand that rocked the cradle before this which was sort of a cheesy thriller and but was a huge success so i think you know off the back of that he you know that's when you can get an actress like street you know to star in your film Mm -hmm. um but yeah interesting eclectic career um
0: and it fits well in meryl streep's career as like a just an interesting addition because we know her reputation and we know her Oscar nominations and this is an outlier but I still feel like she's she's never bad Um, she's the best part about this film and Mm. she makes it all the more watchable and and she almost has this like instinctiveness and this like true-to-life characterization that makes you forget how ridiculous this film is at times Whereas the other actors perhaps can't pull it off as convincingly. Like, did I really just believe that David Strathern, like climbed yeah. what <laughs> seems to be like 500 meters of rock face in yeah. 30 seconds. I'm not, I'm not buying that with a dog, mind you. Like, And the
1: dog, like you, that whole scene when he's trying to get the dog to jump in the water and it's just,
0: <laughs> I don't know. And yeah. Well, the dog did it hats off to whoever the, whoever the dog was in this film. Honestly, uh, should have got an Oscar nomination like the other stuff.
1: It is kind of the like it it's the kind of action movie if, if Meryl was going to be in an action movie, it's one that's sort of it's kind of like a national geographic action film. Like it's about river mm-hmm. systems and rapids and it's it's not like a Transformers movie. You know, it's like the kind of thing yeah. it's a bit of like more of an elevated action film. Yeah.
0: Transformers. Is that a dig at Francis McDormand? It's not,
1: but now <laughs> that you say it it sounds like it is. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, she can do something with this role, essentially, is what we're saying. Uh, yes. That's sort of like the actresses that got received precursor attention at least, like, more than once. We also have Jamie Lee Curtis here for True Liars, winning the glow for comedy and musical, but then also being pushed into supporting. Is this a lead or a supporting performance? How come this is discussed? Is it like a screen time thing? Um.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's a screen time thing. She probably doesn't have... I'd say it's more supporting, just based on screen time. She kind of comes in and out of the story. Uh, I think she was actually campaign supporting, but the Globe sort of did their own thing and went with her in lead. Um,
0: Mind you, the competition that year was pretty, like, dire. I was going to mention,
1: yeah, it's kind of generally the nominees are, like, failed... Really commercial comedies, I guess you'd say. Like things yeah. like Junior and Speechless and tra- Guarding Test. Guarding Test, yeah. Things that would have obviously never never stood a chance in the um, Oscars yeah. final. So But it's still it's, it's, somehow it's, mentioned
0: in history because of that nomination.
1: Yeah, it's sort of it's not a classic role, like it that would get an Oscar nomination. It's very like it's an action movie, it's like She's really good in it. It's, like, a good comedic part. Um, it's fun. It's, like, a really good role. But um, I, I, I'm not surprised that it didn't, like, go beyond that. And she would have been... I think she would have been a good supporting nominee, to be honest. But, um, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I haven't seen True Lies, but I know it's famous for the striptease scene. Yeah. Um, which are, like, if you look up Jamie Lee Curtis True Lies... I was just finding an image to like discuss this film. It was all of that scene. It seems to be something that's mm. like, canonized, yeah. especially in her career. But I feel like it's, it's it would be a genre heavy performance, right? Coming from someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah. There's like
1: the climax is like her kind of like hanging out of a helicopter. and. Um, okay.
0: So that's what we're dealing with.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's pure action genre. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: Yeah, who's the director? It's James Cameron. So it's James Cameron. Okay. Yeah. Well, that kind of like settles the 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 deal then in terms of how the Oscars would view would view this. Maybe like after
1: Titanic, he, she would have had a better chance.
0: Perhaps, after he was perhaps. in the club, I don't know. But then at the same time, it's like I mean, Avatar didn't get any acting nominations. Is there True. any room for, for Avatar Way of Water come through with? The acting nominations. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, ready for that. Hope so. Yeah, um, in terms of another performance that kind of released early on in '94, may have fizzled out of Academy voters' attention spans. It's Meg Ryan mm. in When a Man Loves a Woman, nominated at the SAGs. You're all fond of this performance, aren't you?
1: I do like it. I'm not like the biggest. I, you know, Meg Ryan. I actually don't have a lot of experience with Meg Ryan, but. Um...
0: You ever seen a rom-com?
1: I, was, I yeah, like I. Was, <laughs> that's the thing I was going to say. Like, I feel like she has a way of making any material almost come across as a romantic comedy. Like, this is a film about alcoholism, and I think at times it is kind of glossy and a little bit rom y which is kind of weird given what yeah. it's about. Um, but I actually think she is really good in this. It's a really good role. Um, it's unfortunate that it kind of couldn't translate to a Oscar nomination because it has, I think, all of the tropes that the Academy love and it's quite a, like, decent, um, you know, uh, hefty role. So she has a really good scene at the end when it's kind of like an AA meeting and she gives this, like, speech and, um, yeah, I think it's really strong work overall, so.
0: Well, good to know because there's someone who had, doesn't really know about this film, did not get into it. When a man loves a woman, plus that, autumnal poster i just figured it was Mm. a rom-com
1: yeah you'd think so i think even the marketing
0: kind of made it look like a rom-com so well that probably just didn't do any service also being released months before all of these oscar nominees came into play yeah uh you know there there is definitely a thing about performances fading as the year goes by Mm. like certain films can definitely prevail I think the biggest one that everyone likes to mention is the silence of the lambs, but also look at what that film was. Uh, well, even it's a completely for, different story.
1: I think Four weddings and a funeral was an April release.
0: Yeah. And it's that getting to into nominate that getting into best picture, like still surprises me. I don't, I mean the best picture, like uh, contenders that missed out in the same vein of what we're talking about here were bullets over Broadway and Ed Wood. So, I don't have this idea that 1994 is as strong as people like to say it is. Mm. I just think it has some very strong film in the mix. But yeah, that's, yeah. Because the best actress, best actress, a best actress uh, playing field is as strong as like you can, It the definition of a weak acting lineup is all in what the Academy chooses, not the year overall. Like you can mm. definitely make your own strength from it. And I feel like they could have, but they just didn't decide that was the right course of action because they had to, they definitely fell back into bad habits or just uninteresting habits. Are there any other performances that you got to that you'd like to? I really
1: liked Sigourney Weaver in Death and the Maiden. Right. Um, That's Polanski, isn't it? that's a polanski film um yeah. it's a really good role um interesting characterization she kind of changes her voice in a weird way I, I don't really know how to explain it it's not like an accent change it's like she has like a different pitch to her voice it's kind of more fragile and um a bit higher and that's a really interesting choice um but it got you know she it's a very intense role it's
0: what is she I playing even, who is she playing
1: uh, She's playing a woman, and they it's they're meant to be South American, but they don't play it like it's like it's said in South America, but none of the actors play it. they just play it in their own accents and own mm-hmm. they, they don't try to make it specific to a certain place mm-hmm. and I think it's a non unnamed country. She was tortured during like a dictatorship, and you know assaulted and raped and really horrible stuff and she now lives with a husband who's in the government of this of since the dictatorship has been overthrown and a man shows up at their house who's played by ben kingsley who she sees and thinks straight away that's the even though she didn't see the man because she was blindfolded she hears his voice and goes that's the man that um you know tortured me basically okay so, it's kind of a revenge thing. It
0: sounds very, very
1: heavy. It's but... heavy, yeah. It's, it's sort of like a it's a torture revenge thing um, where she wants to get him to confess and it's kind of her husband doesn't really you know whether to believe it or not. And there's kind of like a, is she, is it actually him? Is it not the guy? And um, she goes through a lot. It's pretty, it's, but it's a really good, as I said, it's a good part and there's a lot to to. Um, think about. I think it's actually yeah. a pretty good film, and and actually Ben Kingsley is pretty incredible. Like he, he was the standout, I thought. But mm-hmm. Weaver is, I think, in this slate of roles of of this year, I think she's got one of the best roles.
0: Sigourney Weaver didn't receive any Oscar nominations in the '90s, correct? Gorillas in the Mist was the last for the '80s. Yeah. Okay. I because don't people make the case of her being nominated for like the Ice Storm? In ninety seven, as like a, a mission,
1: yeah, which I haven't seen, but
0: um, I haven't seen that either. But yeah. I again, it's just interesting how uh, these ladies' careers have have panned out in the long run. I mean, they're still all most of them are working actresses to this day, mm. but other roles there. That's a completely different, story. Yeah. completely different. Story. I think it's a
1: shame that Weaver couldn't get another nomination since mm.
0: uh, since the eighties. And I also mentioned Avatar like two Avatar. seconds ago, so like <laughs> yeah, it's always that. Although like I don't know if anyone in Avatar was like really giving their all, but completely different story. Kathleen Turner in Serial Mom was a really enjoyable performance, but there's no way that's being nominated. Yeah, like, even if people want to like wishfully think that into existence, it would never happen. Would never happen. Case in Although, point. Yeah. The next year, like what Nicole Kidman was doing for "To Die For," it's not mm. what the Academy goes for—a genre-heavy performance of like a murderous woman mm. doesn't really fit there. I think it's
1: unfortunate, and I get, and it is again, it wouldn't have happened, but that um, Turner couldn't get into the Globe lineup in comedy.
0: They just mustn't have seen it, or there's just like not or enough. Or it's
1: just, just not. For I think Waters. if there's a yeah, John Waters version.
0: Even though despite it being a John Waters film, it's not like as filthy as yeah, female trouble and pink further. flamingos yeah. it's actually quite uh polished. It is, yeah. It's <laughs> professional. It's it is professional. It's like, okay, yeah, films natural. are on, we're filming this on a tripod. Uh yeah. We've actually got like a fairly uh in tune performance. And like I love yeah. Kathleen Turner. I'm like, and Sam Waters and him respectable as well. Actor. <laughs> But yeah, Kathleen Turner, love her on a bit of a binge of her films lately. To be honest, like mm. she was always someone fun I, movie. I knew. But yeah, it is a fun movie. It's a fun role, and she—I feel like she has fun with it as well. She gets I mean, it. Yeah, gets the tone like, of it. How do you not have fun though? Like if that's your director, like you—you yeah. you can't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, but, it's sort of her willing to like laugh about herself and not be
1: yeah. an Academy Award, you know, nominated actress.
0: And I feel like at that point, I mean, she—the 80s were huge for her, and she only gets one Oscar nomination for *Peggy Sue Got Married*, which mm. really interesting nomination. Actually, she's my winner for '86. Just saying, but um, she must have definitely been aware of what the industry's reception of her was, so she to had do to do this role. To do this role, yeah, yeah. It's sort of something that you do when you're, I guess,
1: willing to risk. <laughs>
0: well because there's still like a, a lot of people who put her in the box of like body heat even though that was 40 years ago and her yeah. her even her roles in the 80s like romance in the stone peggy sue accidental tourist don't pritz's honor even like don't fit that body heat bill but people still mm-hmm. like to mention her as this like uh like sex icon but she was only for that for one film really so i don't know it's just she's an interesting actress and i love love her actually i like her a lot She's yeah great. She's, she's great yeah um just quickly uh irene jacob yeah in three yeah. colors red a nominee at the bafta uh i love red like a lot if you still need to like, see white it. and yeah. blue you should you just need to watch all of them because there's something that happens in the last 10 minutes that ties them all together and it's like okay. whoa the three color universe is like bursting at the seams i'm like wow this is just incredible that it sounds very confusing for people who haven't seen it, but it's, uh, it's great. And she's great as well. She's playing a very intrinsic character, but also someone who doesn't feel like they're playing a character, feels more like a person. And I sort of get that from like Julie Delpy and Juliette Binoche in White and Blue as well. Just very, like, fascinating, fantastic female-led performances in all three films. And I feel like all of them should have picked up uh, nominations along the way from some critic body because they're just they're very, very strong. The film itself was even picked yeah. up in director and cool. screenplay. So. I think
1: cinematography as well. So it was like... Oh, yeah, the Academy the was is
0: receptive beautiful
1: Very receptive to it.
0: And the film kind of has a kind of like a humdrum mystery to it, but you definitely get this idea that she's figuring out the mystery in real time, almost as if she hasn't read the script and isn't completely aware of how the story pans out. So there's just also a lot of great like silence in the film from her. The pose of her uh, with the bubble gum and the red drape in the background is iconic. That's because she's just mm-hmm. like iconic throughout the entire film easily yeah. like a, a prestige performance in a prestige film it. watch all three although blue I've is, seen blue I haven't seen that. yeah that's brutal yeah. if you've watched blue then you're fine yeah uh, red is actually quite uh, approachable okay still' still art house like this type of stuff you'd see in a festival but you know it's uh it's a bit different anyone else that <laughs> well I, there's there's plenty but I think yeah. that's uh that's that's what we got to isn't it yeah. Um, we can even talk about, like, just quick shout out to the ladies from Heavenly Creatures, um, Melanie Linsky and Kate Winslet. It's quite a can bit of support it? for them. We get an original screenplay
1: nomination, so they some people saw it in the Academy.
0: There's also... Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, there's also Julianne Moore in Vanya mm. on 42nd Street. Who else am I missing? That was perhaps like a contenders that didn't even get like. Well, pre-firsts. Isabella Johnny Oh, again. Queen
1: Margot. I've just I haven't seen it. I've heard that's She's quite good in that.
0: She has her supporters as well. Were you aware? Yeah. People love it. Um, I
1: haven't seen it. Chrissy Rock, Lady Bird, Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. I think she's yeah, a runner up at New York Film Critics. Yeah. Um, Gong Li, To Live. Yeah. Um, have to shout out Judy Davis just because you know she's the best.
0: She's Australian. She yeah. was
1: in the New Age and the Ref. I have heard some people say she is in their lineup. So,
0: mm-hmm. there's also Chen Lin Wu for Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, a nominee of the foreign, well, foreign language film, international feature film, Ang Lee's Taiwanese film. So. There's quite a there's healthy a list. There's a lot
1: to, yeah, lot, there's, there are a lot of great actresses. Um, mm. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Do, you, do you have any, like, just last thoughts on 94 as a, as a whole? And then we can get into our ranking and our personal lineups.
1: Um, just my main thought is I don't think it's as bad a lineup as it, its reputation. Like, honestly, people saying it's the worst. I think there are way worse lineups than this
0: personally i haven't seen much of 84 but that just seems like a worse one do you think this is the worst or do you not want to get that? Yeah. it's not the worst but it's not the best it's certainly the most interesting it's interesting to, actually, to talk about yeah. exactly i mean it's a it bears fruitful discussion i think when you
1: see if the academy, when the academy have to stretch to see where they go is interesting if yeah. it's not just like kind of handed to them, like they don't have five films or from, sorry, five performances or from best picture nominees. Yeah. They actually have to like look further. Um, That's yeah. an interesting thing to me.
0: But I also feel like these years are as interesting to discuss as something like 1978. If we were to do a discussion yeah. in 1978, would be constantly, would just like be praising all of the performances, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Like you mentioned, it's, we know that there's a set number of five, the Academy has to fill that out. Mm-hmm. And they often criticised that they can't get to five, that there aren't enough performances.
1: Especially in the 90s. I think that was a big talking point was that mm-hmm. it's another bad year for women's roles was like an open, often you know, repeated yeah. thing. So I think it's but- getting better in terms of the number of um, potential nominees every year.
0: Perhaps, but I mean, this past lineup was a bit disappointing.
1: Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll be talking about this in,
0: you know. In 30 years time. 30 years from now. The, the, the triumph of an Oscar See what campaign. films
1: actually have stood the test of time.
0: Well, I can tell you one that hasn't. <laughs> um, but it's we kind of won. interesting because it's like, we know that the women get the same amount of slots as the men. Um, but then there's always that conversation that even though there are five women nominated, five men nominated, What's happened to the women's roles this year? Uh, it's also like, yeah, the best picture correlation. It's like when you go back to the even like way back to the 40s, the 50s, you're watching a best picture contender and you're taking off a best actor nominee because yeah. they're just they're just linked. But that's that's always been like a bit of a, a dissonance between the two. I mean, I don't yeah. think this is terrible. You mentioned 97 before. I like 97 but it's also not, like, the greatest. Yeah. Um, What I've seen of 1984 was a bit... uh, Oh five,
1: I think, is a little bit weak as well.
0: Is it? Is that, that, like, your personal opinion or is that what people say? That's my personal opinion. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think the win is definitely weak. I mean, Mm. it's, like, I feel like the wrong person won for that film. It just doesn't make sense to... It still doesn't make sense to me to reward the wife of the protagonist mm. in a leading role. It's just a bit bizarre if you don't reward him. Yeah. But I do not. Uh... I think some people
1: also talk about 2014.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. That was, um... it's not, So it's, yeah, we say weak, but it's like, it's the Academy really uh, stretching. And I think they mm. definitely did in 2014. I can think of, I mean, I love Marion Cotillard in just in general, and she's really good in Two Days, One Night, but that nomination sort of felt like a sounds really bad, but like a bottom of the barrel. Well, it's just them having to go outside of
1: their comfort zone to get an
0: nominee. Yeah, Yeah. and it's like, how many votes did she actually get? But she was still fifth. Just in theory, whoever was fifth, I mean. But it's the same with this one. Whoever was fifth may have been Miranda Richardson just because of like the amount of people who saw the film. How many mm-hmm. votes did she get to get into that slot? But you know what yeah. I mean. The whole ranking system—it's just all. What does it really come down to? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mentioned to uh, just quickly say what Clint Eastwood said. Uh, it was actually Charlton Heston. All <laughs> oh, right. As even that makes so, sense. That I couldn't find the exact
1: source, but I read references to it that he said he struggled to, fi- he couldn't find five roles to fill in his ballot for nominations, mm-hmm. which is, I think it's interesting when ac- when people, like the Academy members are pretty tight lipped about what they vote for. I always find it interesting when you get a bit of insight into what they're thinking, especially sure. with nominations. Like you sometimes hear about who people voted for to win. You almost never hear about anyone talking about them, about the nominating process.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but you know, as we mentioned, you know there are. <laughs> if you actually look for it, there would be five roles that you could fill in a ballot with, in any year. But
0: <laughs> in any year, but it's it was like what what came to the academy. What was yeah?
1: What was kind of handed to them? Um,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's quickly go into the ranking of the five actresses that were nominated, starting from five. Uh, you go first. So fifth, I have
1: Winona Ryder.
0: Yeah. Am I going through all of them? Well, oh, actually, I'll do my fifth. Okay. Uh, Jody Foster in now. Okay. Perhaps, like, the only performance here that I, like, actively hated.
1: Yeah. Fourth. Fourth, I have Susan Sarandon.
0: Okay. I have Winona Ryder. Okay. Third. Third, I have Jody Foster. Okay. I have Susan Sarandon. Second, I have
1: Miranda Richardson. So number one, I have Jessica Lange.
0: And then we're the same. Second oh, okay. is Richardson. And first is Jessica Lang. Jessica okay. Lang in Blue Sky. Yes, it's a weird year for actresses. Yes, it's a weird film. And even the history of the film being shelved and all that is very weird. But in terms of overall Best Actress winners, she's very strong. She's yeah. like comfortably top 30. Good.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's very, really strong work.
0: And now our personal five. You can channel your Charlton Heston. So,
1: I think I've got...
0: I don't have a winner from these five is what I'll say, but I definitely have five. That I well, I'm
1: keeping Lang and Richardson. Mm-hmm. they in my lineup. Um, I think I'd put um, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. For Death and the Maiden. I would put Linda Fiorentino for Last Seduction. And the fifth, I think I'm going to go with Meg Ryan for when a man loves a woman.
0: Okay. I have Irene Jacob, Three Colors Red, Kathleen Turner, Serial Mom, Meryl Meryl Streep, The River Wild, Uh, Linda Fiorentino, The Last Seduction, and then I kept the Academy as winner, Jessica Lange from Blue Sky. (coughs) As a five, it makes a very strange quintet. Like, That's I feel like the Academy, it's yeah. very eclectic. Five. I feel like yeah. the academies as a five work like fairly well. They're like succinct. Yeah.
1: It's consistent.
0: Yeah. There, there's nothing yeah. like too crazy there. But once you step out of the Academy's comfort zone, it becomes all a bit uh, yeah. bizarre.
1: I was, I was considering a spot for Meryl, but um, ultimately
0: didn't put her in. It's not her best work, but her work is just generally good. So yeah. Yeah. it's, qualifies as the best for me yeah that's definitely where i stand on meryl i'm not gonna listen this is not a hot take podcast i'm not gonna say meryl a bad actress she she definitely deserved a nomination for this and it's wow the fact that she didn't it just goes to show how genre plays a huge hand. Mm. yeah um i guess that's sort of yeah closing the whole episode on mm. meryl streep that's very that's quite beautiful I think that sort of wraps up our discussion of 94 best actress. What a, what a time we covered about 10 actresses, a dozen, a dozen, maybe the definitely the biggest discussion we've had here on this podcast. But I mean, like I had a blast seeing all five of these for the first time Um, you revisited some of these films, any big differences in opinion, just sort of feel like the same for them
1: um i revisited so i hadn't seen three of them i revisited blue sky and Nell. i really i think the more you see blue sky the more you see in jessica lang's performance just the more mm-hmm. you know the, the subtleties and stuff so i really just got more out of it and i've seen it already twice before so yeah that was my big takeaway just the, the quality of what she's doing
0: it's always a good Uh, takeaway especially when revisiting Mm. the actual winners um which is why i'm so like shy on ranking uh like say the best actress winners or the best picture winners because i feel like it's constantly evolving
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: um but yeah no this was a this was a good time and i watched some films that i would never have Mm. seen like i can't really see myself watching the last Seduction if it weren't for this podcast yeah um so i had a good time yeah Um, it was good Thank you for, for coming on as well. That's, it's been great.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And out of Oscar podcasts we'll return in two weeks time for an episode on 1963 and that Best Picture lineup uh, with attention to HUD, which missed out. Now, that means watching Cleopatra, How the West Was Won, America, America, very long films, but I'm very excited to get through them. Just putting that out there in case you wanted to get some yeah, long but aside long watching
1: forty hours of viewing. of your
0: of your time to see Cleopatra. Yeah. Don't know how long that would take me to get through, but I'm but I'm like very happy to do so. Yeah. Uh but yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Out of Oscar Pod and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode all the way through the end. And I'll catch you in two weeks' time. Bye.